0: WCNC Charlotte, this is Flashpoint where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered.
1: Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. The North Carolina General Assembly on the verge of sending two big bills to the governor's desk after years of debate. This week, the North Carolina House set to take a final vote on expanding Medicaid. The bipartisan measure looking to bring affordable health insurance to about 600,000 people. Also getting support from Democrats and Republicans alike is sports betting. It would let folks bet on college, pro, Olympic sports right on their phone. In a minute, we'll speak to one of the main sponsors of that bill. But first, a really special guest for this Women's History Month. Joining us now, the 73rd governor of the great state of North Carolina, Bev Perdue. Also, we should say, the first and only female governor we've had. She's now the chair of the National Assessment Governing Board. Governor, thanks for coming back on Flashpoint. We appreciate it.
2: Good morning, Ben. It's nice to be back on your program and it's nice to be back with my Charlotte buddies.
1: That's right. You know, I look back at our archives. I think it's been like 13 years since we've had you on this program. So it's been a while long overdue, long overdue. Um, Let me ask you 10 years after you left office. Are you surprised you're still the only woman in the governor's mansion and not only that, but there's not been women really in the governor's race. It's been mainly a, a boys club since then. Are you surprised?
2: No, I'm not surprised because we haven't done a real good job across the state, Republicans or Democrats, of growing our bench. But right now in the North Carolina legislature, there are a couple of women, one from Charlotte and one from New Raleigh, who I predict can be major state players. And so I'm grateful for that. I'm there to help them. And, you know, if they need a good mentor, I'd like to be that for them.
1: All right, I'm going to go ahead, go, ahead, go ahead and put you on the spot. Name names. Um, who, who do you think could could run in that 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 big uh, big race?
2: Well, in from your area, I'm not going to name names because okay. you've got a new legislator right there who was who's not new. She came back, and I think she's very uh, connected and very well storied in how you get things done for the people of Charlotte and North Carolina. And then the other woman I'm talking about comes from the Triangle. And she's fabulous, she's well trained. She comes from a political family. She's got the pedigree and the strength, I think, to, to go for the goal. It's just about doing it all. It goes back to how it was for me. You have to make choices. You cannot do it all. I don't think any woman thinks you can. So you've gotta give up something. You give up your friends. I put mine aside for 10 years, 15 years while I was in politics. Or you give up your family, and I wasn't gonna do that. So you can't be all things to all people and you actually don't succeed as well at doing it all.
1: Um, Let's talk about some issues. Education's always been a a big priority for you. I know it remains so, Um, especially when it comes to education and making sure kids have access to the internet. Never, never has that been more important than in the past few years. Uh, Some would say you were out front on this. Um, What can local and state leaders do to help get students back up to speed post pandemic.
2: Well, the scores are abysmal. You know, that's the board that I chair nationally. Yesterday I, I, I read. I can't remember the name. One of the states in America decided the answer to kids doing so poorly on the tests was to dumb down the tests and lower the scores. That's not the answer. You can lower the scores all you want, but your kids still aren't going to be able to be proficient. Uh, the Internet is part of, of the answer, obviously. I've worked for 15, 20 years to make it accessible all over the state, including in inner city Charlotte and the rural parts of Mecklenburg County. But that hadn't happened. So I think uh, elected leaders I w- would hold elected leaders to a no hands barred kind of conflict. It's the same kind of dilemma that faced uh, faced America in the 30s and 40s with electricity. Uh, The Internet is basic infrastructure, basic utilities, so that has to be a given. I think it should be free. I don't believe in uh, the way it's being funded now. I think it's prohibitive for some families. So if you do that, you have to have good teachers. You know the formula, but we really do need to. I continue to say this. It's uh, kind of freaky. If you have a kid at the end of third grade, who cannot read and count at some kind of higher grade level, then I think the kid is destined to failure. And so we have to do whatever we can, however we can one on one or tutor or work with kids all across the state to make sure that by the time they leave third grade, they can read and count. And that would change the trajectory, not just of North Carolina's future workforce, but if it was done across the country, the country's workforce. There, there's been
1: claims that that Uh, Folks, especially across the aisle from you, have done things to undermine the
2: public education system. Uh, Do you share that belief? I'm I'm really concerned, as I think most parents and grandparents are, with the social issues that have begun to begin to prioritize educational discussion in Raleigh and across the counties. I'm I'm concerned, I, I don't believe that the whole litmus test around some kind of cultural or social ideology should dominate the basic skill set our kids need. And I don't like what's happening with uh, some file legislation that speak to that. The culture wars. I am really concerned about the concept of electing. uh, School board state school board members across the state. Sometimes uh, it becomes so partisan that I wonder if that's the right answer for our kids. I've always thought that the governor should be the educational decision maker, the guide for education in the state, and should stand for that in every election or re-election. Let the people throw that person out, but let that person appoint the state superintendent of education. Our current state superintendent's doing a great job. I really admire her leadership on competency and uh, trying to change some of the ways we have funded education. So it's not against her, I speak. It's just against the embedded political history of North Carolina.
1: Some people might forget, but when you were governor, we were in the middle of the Great Recession uh, across the country that that our country was struggling with. Um, When you were governor, the Affordable Care Act was passed, and I come through our archives. And it looked like you you never took a firm position on expanding Medicaid, and we know that's been a big issue uh, for years now. And it looks like it might be poised to pass. More than ten years later, do you think, considering everything that's happened, hundreds of thousands of people still have gone without affordable health care in, in this in the state? Do you wish you would have pushed harder, even though knowing it was really at the end of your term to get something done with Medicaid expansion? No, Ben, I,
2: I would think your archives might be. Uh not fully complete, one of the most, uh, I think, courageous things I did at the very end of my administration was try to uh, embed Medicaid reform in the State Budget Act. I tried to do it by myself as the governor because the General Assembly refused to work with me or talk to me about Medicaid reform. I think it's been a bridge uncrossed for more than 12 years and it's cost the state hundreds of millions of dollars because we haven't participated, but primarily it's caused hundreds and thousands of people in North Carolina to go without adequate health care. I am so excited that this year they've come to what appears to be a compromise. I think regardless of the track record of what they did and slapping me down and slapping what I was trying to do around Medicaid reform down, now they've come to a place where they can work with the governor and move forward on health insurance for everybody in the state i think that's marvelous it's a benchmark of this century
1: um do you sometimes wish you would have run for re-election
2: yeah i do that was probably it's probably my biggest regret although i live my life these days loving the private sector and you know the things i'm doing in the private sector but uh as you look back you do have regrets and i try not to think about the regrets i should have run i i was naive and didn't realize that the angst and the animosity was just against the political system not against me the individual i actually thought if i got out it would all smooth out and north carolina could go forward the way it always had that was rather uh, infantile and naive and I regret that. I wish I'd run again. I wish I were young enough to put my name in the ring again.
1: The, the current GOP majority um, happened while you were in Raleigh. Are, are you surprised they are, are still in power?
2: No, I'm not surprised. I've been around long enough as, as a Democrat and watching Democrats and Republican to know the power of redistricting. As long as uh, the census allows North Carolina to continue to grow And it will. We're a huge popular state. Uh, People will continue to move here. There will be millions uh, that come here. And so the districts have to be redrawn. So every 10 years, the General Assembly, whoever is in power gets to be king or queen. And that's the way the countries run these days. And for 200 years, until we change that fundamental way, we divide up the state, uh, apportion the state for apportioned representatives there will always be one party that dominates, and that's the party that dominates in that 91, 2021, 2031 year when uh, the districts are redrawn. And it it looks to me like it still might be Republican. Who knows? A lot can change between now and next year or now and tomorrow, much less the the end of this decade. We hope so.
1: You confident that that Democrats can can keep uh, the governor's race? Uh, next year, I know the uh, current governor is not going to be running, but we already know some of the names that have been thrown around. Do you feel like Democrats can, can keep the governor's office?
2: I think the people of North Carolina are just the best barometer of what can happen. I've always put my faith in the people. I think you'll get the candidates out there. I hope to see a Democrat win. Uh, I certainly am supporting Josh Stein, but it's not over till it's over. And there's a lot of uh, things that can happen that will maybe put new candidates in. I've talked to a couple of Republicans who are thinking about throwing their hat in the ring. And so I think it's gonna be wonderful to see a new generation. This will be a new generation of leadership. It'll look different, feel different, and sound different. I hope to address the different needs of this growing, beautiful state we live in. The
1: 73rd governor of North Carolina, Bev Perdue. Governor, thanks for coming on and chatting with us. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right, Governor, thanks. More flash right after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. This week, the North Carolina General Assembly looking to take up two big issues that have been debated for years, Medicaid expansion and sports betting, both bipartisan measures likely to get the governor's stamp of approval. Joining us now, Democratic Representative Zach Hawkins from Durham. He is one of the main sponsors of the sports betting bill introduced in the House. Representative, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it.
0: Absolutely, thank you for having me. Of
1: course, this is one of those things that actually has some bipartisan support, um, and, and that's not always the case. Uh, why do you think that this is a good idea for the state of North Carolina?
0: Well, uh, one of the reasons that I think is important, and I ha- actually had uh, the opportunity to to meet uh, with a young man who didn't know that I was a legislator. He was telling me all about uh, how he was participating, um, but he said, I wish I could do this legally in North Carolina. And that was a moment that I didn't ask for, but it was, it was a light bulb moment uh, that he needed the protections that bringing this uh, into law in North Carolina, allowing legal sports betting uh, to happen, uh, that people need that and they want it. Uh, the consumer protections are absolutely um, important when you're talking about wagering. Um, secondly, we get the opportunity to bring in additional revenue. Um, and uh, anytime that we can you know, bring in additional revenue to the state, and find uh, creative ways uh, to use it, we should take full advantage of it. There are so many states, about 25 or so states, that are participating. Uh, there's no reason for North Carolina to be sitting on the sidelines, especially when we're such a sports-rich state and a growing state, one of the fastest-growing states uh, in, in the country. One of the things that we also have included as a part of this effort is a, a major sports in and entertainment attraction fund. Um, NBA All-Star weekend, big events that could come to some of our larger venues. We need to make sure that we're setting ourselves up properly uh, to to have incentives for them to come so that we can help uh, cities and counties and um, our state look at, at making North Carolina not only a great place to live, but really a great place um, to come for come to for sporting events with help, which helps tourism. Uh, you brought it up. I'm going to drill
1: down a little bit more about what the money would be used for. I think there's a 14% tax. On the revenue made, so so that, that's substantial money. What is that going to be going to? What is it going to be used for now?
0: Yeah, good good question. So the um, uh, you know first, as I mentioned before, the Attractions Fund. I want to make sure that we can uh, you know bring large events uh, to North Carolina, um, especially again at some of our major venues. Secondly, um, we'll have about ten thousand dollars to go to to go to every single county uh, to support youth programs, youth sports. Uh, We know that we we know what youth sports means in small towns um, across the state and the ability for them to use it for uh, facilities upgrades and equipment um, is huge. Um, You know, uh, it's it's a lot of money to, to, you know, you you spend a lot of money raising resources for helmets and shoulder pads and, you know, field upgrades and we want to make sure that we can we can help. Um, second, uh, Lastly, one of the things that I think is most important um, is that we're going to have the opportunity to spend uh, these resources to help some of our smaller um, uh, universities, uh, our HBCUs and some of our MSIs, uh, as well as you know UNC Asheville, smaller programs that have um, issues with travel budgets. Um, it's a, it, it costs a lot right now. UNC Asheville is just in um, uh, the big dance in, the, in March Madness and their sports program had to come up with resources to have them travel. The same thing with our historically black colleges and universities. And so this, this fund would give them about uh, $300,000 to begin with and then as revenue grows, uh, a percentage, uh, the percentage we will rise with percentages. Um, and that's that's huge. So, so as we become a mature market, eventually, um, those schools can continue to benefit and it takes a load off um, of those programs.
1: Um, and even though it does have broad support on both sides of the aisle, it's not without its detractors. What do you say to those folks who, who talk about the societal problem that comes along with sometimes um, sports betting?
0: Well, the first thing is that people are already doing it. Um, and our job is to make sure that we take it from the, the dark and bring it into the light. Um, make it legal, um, give them for consumer protections and uh, a state, of course, that is willing to look out for its best interests. Um, and not to mention these are trusted programs um uh you know next i would say that uh we have put about two million dollars in which is above and beyond what most states do for gambling addiction and problems and programs um we have you know had you know really good conversations with the platforms about what uh they do to protect um uh consumers and and those who participate in sports betting uh i would say that you know one one other you know piece that's um, you know really really important for us um uh, to think about is as as the state grows as people come into North Carolina we don't want them going across the border um to do this um we don't want them uh, finding illegal ways to do this and not being able um to get the returns that they 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 suspect and so bringing it again from the illegal market to the legal market is I would say the most important thing for us to keep keep in mind protecting the consumer at all costs um, with things that are already happening all around the country. Uh,
1: one other thing there seems to be some agreement on is Medicaid expansion. I wanted to get your take on that quickly before we leave you. Um, Republicans, though have put it in tied to the budget, um, which which means it's not a done deal quite yet. Uh, are you optimistic it will go through?'m
0: I'm, I'm very op- optimistic. and um, I, I would like to I, I like to publicly uh, thank uh, both the Senate and House leadership uh for for coming on board and and being a part of uh this effort we know that it will transform lives Six hundred thousand people will have access uh to affordable health insurance and so uh governor cooper since he uh, came in office in 2017 has really uh, beat this drum and has worked alongside uh leadership and so i think that um uh, people now um see the benefits because it will help someone in every single county it will bring resources to north carolina um, and jobs uh, that, are, that are permanent jobs. And so we, are, we feel really good about it. Um, uh, that press conference that was held just recently sent an incredibly strong signal. And I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican or anyone else, um, that made you feel good about uh, us rising above partisanship and taking care of people. And so um, I think it will be a glorious day uh, for North Carolina uh, when the bill uh, gets to the governor's desk. It just passed uh, through the Senate. And so we're almost home. Uh, but this has incredible bipartisan support, and it's something that, uh, again, we should be proud of.
1: All right, Representative Zach Hawkins in Durham for us. Representative, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, sir.
1: More Flashpoint after this. <music> Welcome back to Flashpoint. This past week, North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper introducing his proposed budget. It includes big raises for teachers. But as WCNC's traditional Woodard reports, not everybody is on board with the plan.
3: Well the top Republican leaders in the General Assembly calling the governor's budget an irresponsible and unserious plan, but the governor is not backing down, calling raises for teachers a once in a generation opportunity. The major focus of my budget is strengthening education today governor cooper is visiting schools across the state in efforts of pushing his newly proposed budget which raises pay for teachers and principals over the next two years cooper is calling for an 18 percent increase in pay with teachers at all experience levels getting a minimum raise of 10 percent in the budget's first year bus drivers and other non-certified personnel in k-12 schools would also get a more than nine percent raise While some Republican lawmakers are not on board with this new proposal, Governor Cooper says he wants to make historic investments, with a nearly 20 percent raise bumping North Carolina to number 16 in the National Education Association rankings. We can and should make good on the constitutional guarantee of a sound basic education. But the new proposal would also give state employees raises of 8% across the board over those same two years. Of course, GOP lawmakers will continue to examine the proposal over the next couple months. Reporting in the newsroom, Trudicia Woodard, WCNC Charlotte.
1: More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint, folks. Come interact with us on social media. Let us know what you thought about the show or if there's something you want us to talk or talk about on future episodes of Flashpoint. And as always, remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. And we'll see you back here next weekend.